Good morning and welcome to this week's Over the Bar. I'm Sean Holland and this week we have a packed show so we'll get straight into things. Starting off with football. And Man City and Chelsea will face off in this year's Champions League final in Istanbul. Guardiola's City comfortably overcame PSG on Tuesday by two goals to nil. A dominant performance by the league leaders and will go into their first ever European final as favourites. In the other semi, Chelsea beat Real Madrid by the same scoreline and were equally as impressive and what should make for a fascinating final for which we'll actually get a preview of as the two meet in the Premier League today at 5.30. In the Europa League, Manchester United will face Villarreal in the final. United overcoming Roma and Villarreal who overcame Arsenal. Both English teams, although having differing successes during the week on the pitch, have a similar goal off the pitch and that is to rid their clubs of foreign ownership. And I'd like to talk a small bit about that today, specifically Man United, because of the incidents that took place on Sunday. So Man United and Liverpool were due to play on Sunday in what is always an eagerly anticipated showdown of two of the giants of the English game. But the game was cancelled due to the mass protests at Old Trafford. United fans were revolting against the American owners, the Glazers. Now I spoke two weeks ago how these American owners view these English clubs as businesses and the United fans have decided enough is enough. To purchase the club, the already filthy rich Glazers borrowed £520 and put that loan under Manchester United's name. So because of that, the interest charges of said loan have accumulated to £1.5 and that's all being charged to the club. So speaking to a few fans during the week, they're maddened by the Glazers taking a backseat approach to things in England. In Man United, all revenue streams for the club are coming from tickets, merchandise and jersey sales, but nothing out of their own pocket. Similar to the American franchise model. Their interest lies in making profit and then sporting-wise, it's with last year's Super Bowl winners, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that take the priority. Man United's problems are actually deeper than what appears to the naked eye. Signings like Paul Pogba and Harry Maguire are only near cover-ups for a depreciating stadium and below-par training facilities. The United fans have voiced their concerns time and time again, but with the developments recently in the European Super League, this seems like it's the last straw. And with Ed Woodward stepping down recently, one wonders if the Glazers will follow suit. Only time will tell. So next to rugby, and we have our two French teams that will make up the European Champions Cup final. Last Saturday, Toulouse overcame Bordeaux. And then on Sunday, La Rochelle beat Leinster in what turned out to be a comprehensive win in the end for Ron Nogara's side. Even after a slow start, La Rochelle constantly grew into the game. And what helped them greatly was the refereeing style of Matt Carley. So I would have spoke last week of how the more breaks and time for rest, the more dangerous the French side would become. And Carly's very picky style of refing meant there was a lot of penalties and set pieces, allowing the La Rochelle Man Mountains to conserve energy, which allowed them to dominate deep into the second half. And even being down at half time, Ron Garrisite fully dictated proceedings from the kickoff of the second half and were fully deserving of their victory, and what should make for a, a very interesting final.
Then, of course, on Thursday, the Lions squad was announced, and there were a good few surprises in Warren Gatlin's squad of 37. Firstly, in the squad we had eight Irishmen, and among them were a couple of surprises, most notably Jack Conan and Bundyaki. The most notable admissions, though, from an Irish perspective, were that of Johnny Sexton, James Ryan and CJ Stander. I personally find the Sexton choice a bit unusual, considering his ability to control games, organise his team, lead from the front, and he's been successful on the last two tours. But of course, again, it could be injury-related, we just don't know. And in the breakdown of the nationalities that will be representing the Lions, is that there'll be 11 English, 10 Welsh, 8 Scots, and 8 Irish. And as we get closer to the tests, I'll dissect the choices in detail, but for now, it's time to mull over whether Warren Gatland has picked a side that can go undefeated for a third series tour. Moving on to athletics, and there was a successful weekend for Irish sprinting. On Saturday, the mixed 4x400 group of Christopher O'Donnell, Charlene Maudsley, Thomas Barr, and our very own Phil Healy ran a fantastic race, finishing third in their heat at the World Relays in Poland to book their place on the plane to Tokyo. Then on Sunday, the foursome of Aoife Lynch, Kate Doherty, Sarah Quinn and Sophie Becker ran a national record time of 1 minute 35.9 seconds to come second in the 4x200m relay to secure Ireland's highest World Relay Championships finish in history. So it was a fantastic week of Irish sprinting. Now moving on, I'd like to talk about the word change. So change is something that is a part of everyday life. And sometimes change is for the better. It could be a new car, job, or even a change in lifestyle. Sometimes you might stumble across this change in your life by chance. And that would make you think, hmm, I wonder why I never thought of this before. Now in GA, for as long as I can remember, the season has been the exact same layout. Winter training, a few league matches in February or March, then the first round of championship in April or May. But then comes your issue. Because the inter-county and club schedules clash, you almost have two seasons. You might play a championship in April, but you mightn't get the chance to see the competitive field again until August. Not knowing dates, draws, venues, is just very infuriating. And every year you're left in the dark. Now last year, because of COVID, things changed in the GA hemisphere. And in my view, it was for the better. We had a certain schedule with known opponents, fixtures and dates. For me, knowing when you were playing was the main benefit. Because even though sometimes to some clubs it mightn't seem it, but it is a pastime. I know all club players at some stage in their career have had to cancel the weekend away or rebook a holiday or even be forced to not book a holiday at all due to the uncertainty of scheduling or the pressure from coaching staff of a pastime just never made sense. So last year, it was a great relief that we got a definitive season and players were able to enjoy their lives as well as their sport, not having to give up one to accommodate the other. For us, we had the added benefit of being able to avail of the abilities of one of our county players, Robbie Coyley, for whom the new season even worked in his favour inter-county-wise helping Tip win their first Munster Championship for over 80 years. And it's my great pleasure today to welcome the current Munster Senior Football Champion 
and Cormac Sherry's own Robbie Kiley. Right, Rob, how was the form? Uh, you were back training with Tipno, and I'd say you're delighted with that. Well, thanks, Sean. Um, yeah, we're back in. We were lucky enough to get uh, permission from the government to get back training earlier than, than everyone else and all the other clubs around the place. So delighted to, to get back up and going and just getting in and around with lads and John, just getting back. That's getting it. a bit of exercise, getting out of the house and all that. You know yourself, it's, yeah. it's tough going through all this COVID That's, yeah. stuff and anything to get out of the house is all, always a welcome. That's it, by back to build a normality. So um, what I'll start off with, Rob, is going back to the start uh, for your own career. Um, obviously, knowing you personally, uh, you would have lived in Dublin in the early stage of your lives. So was living in Dublin the reason you made football your first uh, sport of choice uh, rather than hurling? Um. I suppose they had a had a big enough influence on it, all right. Yeah, like we would have, I would have spent the first twelve years of my life in Dublin, around Kilmacud Croaks would be majority majority of, of football in there, like and have hurling as well. So I played both of them growing up along, but a few Dublin footballers in and around Kilmacud Croaks as well. I think that the two McGees were there, um, and and yeah. I suppose that that was the main influence on me. And once we started getting a bit of success in there and getting called in to a few development squads here and there around Dublin, you just got the just got drawn to it more and more. You know, it was just a natural progression. I wasn't wasn't the best hurler anyway. I, I tended to kick the ball more than than hit the ball. You still do. But I, was, uh, <laughs> I still do. Was nice. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I remember playing hurling for for Kilmacud there one day and ball came over to the wing I was playing wing forward and I just started kicking the ball down the sideline and the manager nearly pulled me off and saying you have a hurl in your hands yeah, you know you pick yeah. it up yeah, it's nearly anything <laughs> more than actual something you play for Asher Jesus look that's great. exactly I just, I just found it more natural just to, to kick the ball I think more than the hurling so it's just just went towards that more and more you know yeah of course and um then that, that would have brought you on to tip underage teams and bits and pieces like that. But um, what many people don't know is that you actually suffered a near career-ending injury when you were about 17 and things could have been a lot different for you. Could you talk to us a bit about that? Yeah, so um, we moved to tip there when I started uh, secondary school, let's say, and going up to a long, playing with all developments like getting called into development squads but I only really got into tip football and minor but I was playing soccer all the way along as well and what happened was I think I was in the first team so the senior team of soccer were playing the local rivals and went up for a corner and what happened is I landed and I was going one way and the keeper and the defender were coming the other way and straight into the side of my knee and popped it out and it was it was an ACL tear there was a medial tear there was cartilage gone and it was it was pretty much an, an emergency situation then I, I think I was 17 at the time so it would have been about 13 years ago now at this stage so we went straight to the hospital anyway and long story short they did a quick surgery on the medial ligament and I had, had a cast up to my hip and they were all saying you're done with sport you know you're, you're finished and I was lucky enough thank god that um my aunt on my father's side was a physio and she had experienced a few rugby injuries before and she's like but it sounds like it is a bad injury but 
Mm-hmm. You need to go to this person here, this specialist. This he, he's a guru on knees and everything to do with that. So I think ten days later we went up and he saw the cast, took it straight off. The knee was already locked in place, and I think it was three months of of just prehabbing. So basically, I was trying to just get the leg straight constantly, trying to build up a bit more muscle because it all wasted away in that space of ten days. And then after that was done, I was able to get the ACL repair, but I was never able to get the leg straight at all. So it was, that's constantly been an, an issue throughout the career now as you go. But I think it took, what, it was 16 months altogether from, from that injury to, to back playing GA and Jeez. actually never really went back playing soccer. So <laughs> <laughs> might have turned me away from a bit, yeah. but... After after your man saw me, it was, it was pretty much a, a basic repair, and it was just the fact of, of getting back up and going through a slow process of making sure that everything's right before I, I go back and, and go back playing in anything. So mm-hmm. I was along with that, I was sort of lucky enough. It was through my leaving that year, so that distracted me a bit. <laughs> if it yeah. was through any other year, I would have been I would have been um, all over the place really. But you know, leaving said helped me focus a little bit, and then once I got through that. Had a goal just to to get back playing and get get playing with Tip. So I had I'd played with the minor and I had had a goal of mine to get back playing under twenty one, mm-hmm. and then I think it was maybe that year or the year after we had success in Munster with, with the under twenty ones, and that was that was unbelievable. Just to be able to get back playing at a high level and then having success at the Munster under twenty one like level was just. It was a cherry on top, and then I knew that you were back in action. Then all all of a sudden, everything was good, good to go. Yeah, you know, definitely. And and as you t- touched on it there, the under twenty one success against Kerry, it was probably a huge day for yourself in Tip football. But tis tis always nice to win something early on in your inter county career. Exactly. Yeah, I've been lucky enough at the times I've I've come into football that we've had its successes. So. Like the under twenty ones was just an amazing, amazing day. Beating Kerry down in Kerry, you know, no one expected it. It's sort of similar enough to to this year's monster, senior monster. But that that day was unbelievable. I remember it was wet, windy, just a game of two halves, and whoever took their chances when playing with the wind just dropped the game. And I think we got one point more than them in the second half, or like in in the half against the wind, which was the defining score really and then that got us over the line which was just unbelievable and there's a good few players that were there and that, that moved on to senior and I think it was like a, a starting stone for, for a few teams underneath us as well to just see that there's actually there is chance there is opportunity there you know, to, to, to do something with Tipperary football Yeah yeah, and as you said there with the, the lads coming through that success would have brought you to the 2016 year where you went all the way to the semi-final against Mayo but in that semi-final, you yourself got a black card. Can you talk to me a small bit about that year and then obviously the disappointment of getting a black card in a semi-final? Yeah, that was an amazing year. I think we started off the year with hopes of promotion from from the league we were in. I think we were in Division 3 at the time. And uh, we actually just managed to avoid relegation really more than anything. It was, it was with all over the shop. So... Coming into championship, there was no one looking at us. We were just underdogs, and we 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 caught Cork off uh, off out straight out of the gates. Like mm-hmm. we caught Cork 
and then playing Kerry and Downey Kerry again. We 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 were confident going in, in there, maybe silly confidence or you know we were there like oh geez we beat Cork you know we might have a, have a chance if we play well. But then we just didn't turn up the, the same day, and we just got beat out the gate and into the qualifiers we went, and it was it was Derry up in Cavan, and that again didn't really start off too well. We were first half we were struggling, and then second half we came came alive and got a few crucial scores at the end to take us over the line, and then then it moved us on. All of a sudden we're playing Croke Park against against Galway, and it was just I think everybody seen that game. It was mm-hmm. it was incredible. We played. A style of football that people enjoyed and we loved playing and we we tried to play every time we go out there. It's fast, mm-hmm. fast ball, quick moving and and then then it just showed that's what we're capable of when we're on our day we can we can take on anyone. Yeah. So after that then we obviously we came to Mayo and it was all out of the semi final. We were in territory that we we'd never been before and we were enjoying the occasion and and it was it was time to get down to business and yeah it ended it ended a bit soon for myself yeah. um, I thought it was a bit, a bit unfair myself I, I think people know my views on it I I, <laughs> I, 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 I I didn't pull them down yeah you, you say that <laughs> uh, anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but um, yeah it, it just happened the way it happened yeah. you know? it was one of those things just going for the like, ball like yeah yeah just just getting caught the wrong side of the, the attacker like and you're trying to get back and there's I don't know there's maybe a small bit of contact like arm and arm or he felt something he goes down Yeah. but it was just it was either clumsiness or you know just it wasn't like deliberate as, as the black card should be and and that's that's my view of it anyway um, but yeah like that was that was seven, eight minutes that of the all out of the same final that I never thought I'd be in it again. You know, it was one of those things that I was just coming off the field as like, Oh my god. Yeah. But one opportunity one and it's gone. It. You know, you'd, you'd never expect. But uh, after that then the lads did unbelievable, Joe, you know, and all all I can do myself is try to help them on in any way you can. Joe, mm-hmm. so if you're watching the game, trying to help the backs, just give them little bits of advice seeing like what forward their forwards they're trying to do. And then I think it was like one or two just unlucky, I'd say unlucky goals that Mayo scored. Um, I really pushed them over the line against us. So I think it was, what was it, five, six points in the end that they won by. So, so we were playing top class football at that stage and it was it was just disappointing the, the way it turned out. You know, just bounce to the ball, as they say. Yeah. Just got us on the wrong side. Yeah, but sure. brilliant year. Has, brilliant year. Could be, yeah, you'd, you'd have to be happy with the year you had. And... Um, then mo- moving away from that, then midway through your career, uh, you made the move to Cork to play with Ross. Uh, was it the Ross connection with Peter Creedon that made the decision? Because there was definitely other teams that were interested. And w- would you be able to like expand further on who else you could have had a decision to play for? Um, yeah, I could. Uh, like at, at the stage I moved down, I was I was sort of finishing up college. I was I was there. I, I was away from the family for a long time and. So I hadn't a job sorted yet, so I mm-hmm. came down to Cork, and I was actually looking looking for a job around Cork, and I think it was it was Ross Ross were in touch. I think Clan and Kathleen might have have had a chat. It's my father, I think, who actually was, but um, 
for me, it was like for first come first serve because I, I knew I wanted to play senior football down here, and I knew mm-hmm. that like Mario Parish wasn't there, at, at, you know, wasn't there for football wise, and I I wanted to keep mm-hmm. that high level going. Mm-hmm. So the first come first serve, nothing to do with Peter is Peter's involvement in tip at all or mm-hmm. anything like that. It was just yeah. First one the at the door. Course. So if 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 Clan was in there first, I probably would have picked Clan. Or if Cassidy was in there first, I would have they'd gone be, with them. So. They'd be delighted <laughs> hearing that now in Arrow. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think everyone would be delighted to hear that. To be honest. But it's not like to be honest. The people I met down in Ross then after it was just amazing. You know, like how I was welcome down there. Mm-hmm. You know, from a sort of outsider coming in. It was brilliant. You know, they, yeah. they, they, it was it was a real parish feeling uh, in inside in the in the team and everyone everyone welcoming open arms and you know it worked out for the best. I think. Yeah, fair play and definitely with the senior county um, having won that. Uh, then you came further south to ourselves, Barry Row. Um, is it our very expensive style of player or young abundance of talent? <laughs> what was it convinced you to come down <laughs> to play with us? Well, initially it was it was just the fact that I hadn't played with. I suppose I said this earlier on to to someone else. I was chatting to about it, and they they asked me, and I was like, "Well, looking at it, GA is really about your parish, Joe, and playing with family and yeah. and stuff like that." And mm-hmm. my my thoughts on it was, I haven't played brothers in nearly what eight nine years, nearly. Yeah. Except the odd hurling match here and there for Barry Row, what are two seasons ago? But um, yeah, that was the main thing. It was really like you know, I was I was getting the feeling of a parish below, but I, like like there wasn't a real family connection. But I think I just wanted to get back back to the Barry Row and just you know, in, enjoy the crack, enjoy helping the team along, and mm-hmm. just you know, progressing and. and Seeing where where we can go, and where we can take things, you know. Yeah, there's no shortage of crack in here. <laughs> we can, we can uh, see <laughs> that. Yeah, there's no problem with that. But um, <laughs> when, when when you mentioned it about uh, community, um, last year COVID hit, and there was the change to the usual season layout, and um, I had Tom Morrissey on there a couple of weeks ago, and he was all for the the season where you had um the club first and the county second. Would you echo that going into the future? Yeah, hundred percent. Like. Actually, uh, to be honest, I, I don't mind if it's county first, club second, or if it's club first, county second. I think it's very unfair on, on clubs if if they have county players, you know, that, mm-hmm. that these county players aren't even with them for half the year and, and club players are training away and next thing, county player comes back in and it, it sort of just puts stuff out of kilter. Like even last year when we were all, all training together, I thought it was much better, you know, everyone sort of knew what to expect everyone was expected there there's no exactly and the chemistry that's built up between players and all that I'm a big believer in that Mm -hmm. you know like if 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 a new fella comes in you need time to bet in or if you're playing with the county lad the county lad you have to get used to his style of play or you have to get used to just just training alongside him and what runs he makes, mm-hmm. what ball he likes to kick into the forge, you know, what he'd like the forward to do or what he'd like what he'd like to you know, of the team. It's not it's not built around him, but it's just it's saying building the team to a style of play that everyone knows and everyone's used to and no one's just coming in and out of, on any single day, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Which is it's it's very important 
if you want to be successful. Mm-hmm. I'd echo that as well myself, anyway. But um, obviously, we didn't have the longest of uh, club seasons this year. Um, the less said about that, there the better. But um, you did you did yeah. manage to, to claim your uh, biggest honour of your career, winning a senior monster championship with Tip. It was a huge day for Tip and Tip football. But what were your feelings that day, and did you find it particularly poignant on the centenary year of Bloody Sunday as well? Uh, well, for your first question, the feelings was just pure amazement and mm-hmm. disbelief, disbelief as well, because it it was very strange inside the stadium. You know you've won, and you you've know you've won this massive thing that you've been looking for all your career. Basically, this is the one thing that you know it's been in your grasp. You know, mm-hmm. you know you can catch one of the big teams on the hop or something yeah. like that, and. You're, not, you're probably not going to get an All-Ireland like because you'll have to be two or three good teams to win an All-Ireland. So mm-hmm. Munster Championship is one of those things that it just, you know it's there yeah. if everything falls your way, which which it did. And it was just pure disbelief because there was no crowd there either. And there was it was just us cheering and going mad. And usually you'd have all the tip fans and not, not a huge amount of them, but they'd all be there going mad, coming onto the pitch, mm-hmm. congratulating all of this. But it was just, Amazing! Yes, sort of had the pinch yourself moment, and then looking up at Sweeney lifting the cup was just brilliant. It was just fantastic. You just wanted to to. It's just this point that your family couldn't be there, Joe, and yeah. your friends to share the moment with you. But uh, yeah, like that was unbelievable. And then um, what was your second question? And about, then? And about like how I was particularly poignant on the centenary year. Do you know when you had the the jerseys from? Michael yeah, Hogan, you know, yeah. Like that. yeah, like it was it was great because the whole year was built on events and marking uh, milestones throughout the year and it was just one of those things that it didn't happen due to COVID and like just the, the, what happened that year so it was it was crazy that on that moment that day wearing the jerseys it was just it was just meant to be and I think everybody in the dressing room knew how how important it was, and we didn't let it dictate what we wanted to do out there in the field. But we sort of had that in the back of our minds, and we knew that this was a big, big opportunity for Tip, and it was a, it was a very, very perfect way to to remember those who, who lost their lives on that bloody Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so it was it was fantastic. It was a huge, huge day. In fairness, and. Um... Then looking forward to this year, Rob, um, what will be your goals for county and club? I suppose we'll go to county first anyway. Uh, more than likely, you'll have Kerry in the semi-monster. So being realistic, yeah. <laughs> are we looking uh, at league or <laughs> what's the story? Yeah, 100%. It's, it's league. It's league. It's, uh, it's trying to get that promotion. You know, you, mm-hmm. you have to get to the highest level to improve, improve where you are, you know. Mm-hmm. So the aim will be to get to that final it's three games in the south which is sort of works out good in a way you don't have to do long travel distances yeah. you know you you get to prepare right you're not, you're not looking at an overnight stay or anything like that you're just you're focusing on, on one game at a time as well really because you know that these three games can define the season if you're if you're appointing us at, at promotion you know mm-hmm. and then Looking at the championship, you're you're looking at Kerry, and you're saying, I think a performance basically. There's there's been a few years against 
against Kerry that I've played anyway and there just hasn't been a performance so yeah. that would be the main thing have, have a performance that day and you know leave it all out in the field and see what happens that's it can't do much more and then with ourselves then what's the, what's the thinking uh, well after seeing the after seeing the draw for the for the hurling um, I'd like to get out of the group you know that would be that would be brilliant you know it's a, it's progress mm-hmm. like oh, it's something that I, I believe in that if you're a team that you're coming well being realistic we're coming from a place where no wins in any group stage in the last while mm-hmm. so trying to get that win first and then progressing from the group I think that would be a huge step and then the following year then you make another step on that if you can but like progress is key if, if you want to like get all the young fellas interested get the community behind you you know even just every, everyone in, in the parish could, could get a lift from just just getting that those steps through and and yeah, bit, little bits yeah. of progress make, make a big uh big effect on people you know they would do they would do so that's um that's pretty much it from me rob um thanks a million for joining me appreciate Perfect, taking yeah. the time yeah no worries anytime anytime that's enjoyed it it was good good chat yeah, thanks boy and um we'll uh we'll wish you all the best for the the rest of the year and uh, your career going forward thanks William. thanks William. so in the sporting world for a quick preview this weekend we have the return of the national leagues and it'll be hurling starting off our return to Gaelic action. In football, we have the Premier League, and of course, as mentioned, the eye-catching clash of City and Chelsea. We have Rainbow Cup Rugby, Formula One in the Spanish Grand Prix, and in golf, we have the Walker Cup this weekend, and West Cork's own John Murphy, who will be representing Great Britain and Ireland, and we wish him all the best. So that's it from me. Thanks for listening in. I'm Sean Holland. And this is West Cork FM.